This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now, let's join today's message already in progress. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. God is good. And all the time. And His mercy endures forever. We at Harvest Community Church are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. Well, happy Father's Day. If you have your Bibles, quickly open them up to Esther. Esther, the book of Esther. The last few weeks we've been in the book of Ezra. So if you know where Ezra is, you go Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther. Esther. And then turn to chapter 2 of Esther. And we're only going to read one verse. Esther chapter 2, verse 7. Once you have it, once you stand up, and uh, once you, if you don't have it in your Bibles, if you see it up on the screen, then we'll read it together. Esther chapter 2, verse 7. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother had died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word today. We ask that your word would speak powerfully to us so that we might encourage fathers, so that we might be better fathers, and so that we might give a word to fathers who need a word of encouragement. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen Amen and amen. For the next few minutes, I want to talk on the subject, when a good man steps in. When a good man steps in. Now, how many know, raise your hand for me, how many know that uh, laughter worketh like a good medicine? Amen. So what I'm about to tell you, don't judge me. Uh, But if I'm driving in my car between 7 a.m., well, earlier than that, 7 a.m. up to about 9, 9.30 a.m., I listen to the Ricky Smiley morning show. I said, don't judge me. Somebody said, "Mm, it doesn't hurt that bad. But the only reason why I listen to it is because laughter worketh like a good medicine. I, I, I love the show. I love Kiki. I love Fat Tasha. I love Black Tony. I love Bernice Jenkins, who gives the church announcements. I love church in 60 seconds. Uh, God rest uh, uh, Pastor Fred's soul. He passed away uh, in the fall. I love Rock T, Eva Marcel, Brat, and Special K. But one of the things that struck me recently was whenever uh, Ricky Smiley diverts from the humor and the comedy and he gets serious. And of late, he's been talking about his Uncle Herman. His Uncle Herman who raised him. His Uncle Herman who stepped in in place of his father. And he says that Uncle Herman is the one that taught him how to fish and taught him how to, 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 to drive a boat and helped him get his license uh, as a captain, a boat captain. 
He talks about his Uncle Herman and how his Uncle Herman had this love for flying. And because of Uncle Herman's influence, he is, is a licensed pilot today because of his Uncle Herman. He talks about his Uncle Herman supporting him when he was at Alabama State University and, and uh, in music and talks about how he supported his comedy career. And every time a club opened where he would, was performing, his Uncle Herman would be there. That his Uncle Herman was everything that his daddy was supposed to be, but wasn't there. I don't know why his daddy wasn't there, but I do know that his Uncle Herman was a good man that stepped in. He was a good man that stepped in. And, and, and many women, I know that each of you either know someone in your family that has stepped in for family members when a father was absent, or what they have done is complimented the work of your earthly father and come alongside of you just as a father would. I've had the pleasure of coaching basketball at Restoration Academy for the past four years and don't believe all the hype. All the hype about how black men are no good and how black men are, are absentee fathers and they never show up for their kids and they don't support them and they don't pay child support or they're not there or they're don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Every single year I have been there, there has always been, dare I say, just last year, we couldn't do it because of the pandemic. But every year that I've been there, there has been at least one or two fathers that have come to every single practice. Every one. And I remember uh, this one father of one of the kids who, who was waiting for a kidney transplant. He was there at the, 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 all of the practices, all of the games, would travel with us, would do anything that I asked him to do, would support the team, would provide resources that we needed. And at the end of the season, I thought that I would tell him something. I said, uh, 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 hey, um, I, I want to give you a word. And he says, you want to give me a word? He immediately thinks, well, I'm a preacher. I'm going to preach, preach a scripture to him. I said, no, I want to give you a word. I want to give you a good word. And I piqued his interest. And all I said was, I see you. He didn't know how to take it. Everybody else, when they say, I see you, what it means is, I see you doing something bad. Or I see you doing something you shouldn't do. Or I see you, or I got a bone to pick with you. And I said, I see you. And I did it just like this. He says, what do you see, Pastor? What do you see? I said, I see you. And then I gave a pause because I wanted to make it special for him. And I said, I see how you come to every practice. I see how you bring Malcolm. I see how you travel with us to every game. I see how you put your arm around him and say, son, you should have done this. I see how you chew him out when he needs to be chewed out. I see how you support me as his coach. I see how you provide resources. I see you, and I said, I just want to tell you I appreciate you. His face lit up like a, a light bulb, because I don't know if anybody has ever told him that. His wife had died a couple of years previous, and he's raising this young man by himself. He's young, raising this young man while he goes to dialysis three uh, times a week. And yet he's always there, and yet he's always given encouragement. And I want to tell you the importance of this message. The importance of this message may be for you if you've grown up with a, a man that has stepped in. Or it could be that you need to give a word of encouragement to a father. Or it, it could be that you know of someone that has stepped in. I guarantee you they need words of encouragement. 
They need words that say uh, you can keep on going and, and, and that you're appreciated and that you're uh, noticed and we're grateful for the investment that you're making in the lives of children. All of us need that kind of encouragement. Certainly you get it on Mother's Day. Certainly you get it from moms because they have a tough, tough job. But men don't get that kind of reinforcement. They don't get that kind of affirmation always. So Father's Day is important. And if there is a poster child in the scriptures for a good man that has stepped in, it's a man in the Old Testament named Mordecai. You've heard of Esther. Let me place her for a minute. We have talked about Ezra, and we've talked about Nehemiah, and we've talked about that period where those who were in captivity for 70 years in Babylon were coming back home. You'll remember that there was a Persian kingdom that defeated Babylon, and at the end of that 70 years, they were in control. And King Cyrus says of Persia, says, you can go back. Well, during that same period, we find Esther. But Esther is a part of a group of Jews that didn't go back to Jerusalem. They didn't go back home. They didn't go back to, to rebuild the temple. She and others decided to stay. So they're living in Persia. They're living in a pagan country. They're living in a pagan society. And what we see is, and you know the story, that Esther is placed in a position... To save the Jewish nation. She grows up. Mordecai raises her, as the scripture says. She's a part of this group of women who might become the next queen. In God's providence, she does become queen. There is a man named Haman who is second in charge in the kingdom that plots against the Jews to eliminate them. Mordecai discovers the plot, lets Esther know about the plot. Esther goes to the king, risking her own life, tells him about the, the, the plot, tells him about this evil man. At the end of the story, uh, Esther and Mordecai rescue the Jewish people. But men and women, I think there are at least three things about Mordecai as this man that steps in, that you can go and tell another man, I see you. I see you doing this, I see you doing this, and I see you doing this. And I want to encourage you. I want you to know, I see you. And I appreciate the, the, the impact and the investment that you're making in the lives of other people. Well, who is Mordecai in the Bible? Who is Mordecai in the Bible? Mordecai was very instrumental in ensuring the safety of not only Esther and the Jewish people, but also exposing the treachery of a man named Haman, who would try and eliminate the Jews. His actions within Esther's life story in the Bible characterize attributes that we can relate to or wish we embraced more of in our lives. And then lastly, Mordecai was Esther's adoptive father, mentor, confidant, cheerleader, and fellow leader to stand for the rights of their Jewish community. And don't we need men who will stand up like that today? I remember when uh, Avery Carter first started attending the church, and we had uh, several Jews, and I think they've been a part of the church ever since the storefront, but they joined while we were here. 
And we were shooting the breeze out in the hallway one day, and he said, Pastor Mike, I don't think I've ever heard a Father's Day message in which a preacher didn't beat up men for being bad fathers. And I thought about that thing, and I thought about that thing, Reverend Ron, and I thought, why in the world would we preachers preach and beat up men who are the men who are in church who are doing a good job? We're not even talking to the people who are doing a bad job. We're not out there talking to folks who wouldn't step in, in foot in the church. So the men who come, you need a word of encouragement. And what I'm telling you is, although I'm talking about Mordecai, I'm talking about some of the things I know you do already. Just keep doing them. And ladies, those and children, encourage the men, encourage the fathers to keep on doing what they've been doing. Amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. Point number one, Mordecai was concerned. Mordecai was concerned. Look at chapter 2, verse 7 again. It says, Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11 says, And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters. These were women who were a part of a harem who the king would, would, would choose one woman out of which would be his wife. So she was a part of that before chosen. And it says, Every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. I can give you at least eight things that Mordecai did to show his concern for Esther or Hadassah, is, which is her Jewish name. Number one, he brought her up. He brought up Esther. Number two, they were intimately related because they were cousins. She was the daughter of, her, of his uncle. Number three, she was lovely and beautiful, and he was able to keep that. Uh, all of the ladies in the house who have daughters say amen. amen. Because I'm a girl dad, and I still don't know how to do hair. They would not look near, nearly as good as they look had they, I raised them and me trying to do their hair. But it says that she was lovely and beautiful. It also says that their father, her father and mother died. Evidently, he had a ministry of comfort in her life. It says that he took her as his own daughter. He went to every event. He went to every special occasion. He went to every celebration. He was there. The scripture says that every day when she was a part of the, the, the harem, he was so concerned that he would go and see and he would ask the other ladies or he would ask the eunuch that was in charge, tell me about Esther. Tell me about whether or not she's okay. Tell me about whether or not she's progressing. Do you think that she is going to be chosen? Is she doing a good job? How is she carrying herself? He was there every day inquiring about how she was doing. You men already know. You go to dance recitals. You go to basketball games. You go to football games. You go to baseball games. You go to softball games. You go to cheerleading. They're not even playing in the game, but you go to see them cheer. And you don't even know anybody who's playing, but you go. You go to these recitals. You go to, to uh, school programs. You go to teacher-parent meetings. You go to these things. You know why? Because you're concerned. You're concerned. And somebody needs to know, I see you. I see your concern. I see your energy and effort that you put in your child, and I appreciate you. 
Amen or oh me? Does this, does this hit anybody? Are y'all with me on this? Because you need to be with me because there's some children that have nobody that come. There's some children that have no parent that, that, that shows up. There's some kids that have parents that don't go to the parent-teacher meeting. There's some folks that don't provide the resources. And there's some folks that don't even care. But Mordecai did. He wasn't even the biological daddy. He was a man that stepped in. A good man that stepped in. Point number two. Not only was he concerned, but he was courageous. He was courageous. Esther chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and then uh, 5 and 6 are really just paraphrases there. You read the verse for yourself. But in 2 and 3, the paraphrase is, And all the king's servants who are within the king's gate would bow down and pay homage to Haman. The Haman, the one who was second in charge in the nation, and he had plotted against the Jews. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Even though he knew the consequences. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Haman was told of this transgression, and from then forward, he viewed Mordecai with contempt and felt only satisfied in knowing that he might seek revenge against Mordecai with the plan to kill the Jews. Men and women, he decided he would not bow down and pay homage because Jews bow down to no one but Jehovah. He was courageous in his faith. He was courageous not to do that and surrounded by uh, pagans in a pagan society and a pagan nation. He was courageous even though he knew that there would be consequences for his actions. And sometimes our men have been courageous when it has been uh, uh, with regard to uh, um, our children. I remember with one of my godsons going to one of his games. And, and he should have played. The game went, went forward. There was, there, there was a big lead. He was younger than, than, than those on the team. I went to the coach and said, why didn't you play him? And he gave this mealy mouth answer. And I said, well, I'm a coach too. And, and, and that's not what you do. There are parents that come to these games to see these kids play. I understand if it was a one or two point game. I understand if you were trying to win and there was some significance to it. But when you're up by 25, I expect my son to get in. And there was no answer and there was no response. I, I, I don't care. And, and I did say this, and this should not have an effect on your ongoing relationship with him and his play. Some of us have gone to bat with him with school. Some of us have gone to bat when our kids need special resources. Some of us have gone to bat when our kids, when they've been treated, mistreated and done wrong and treated unfairly. Some of us have had the courage to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step in front of them. I'm going to step in hard's way. I'm going to take the blows that they don't rightly deserve because I'm courageous. And we need courageous parents. We need courageous parents who will set the model. And you'll see how, how Esther picked this up later. Because Mordecai gave it to her. Mordecai gave her a spirit of courage when things are difficult and when things are hard and when things don't go our way and it may be dangerous and it may be risky. You do it because you love God and you place your faith in Him and you know that He is sovereign. Amen. 
What I did not tell you about the book of Esther is that book, the book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that never mention God saying anything. God is strangely absent, uh, but he's not. He's in between every verse. God is sovereign with regard to the details. And some of us as parents, some of us as fathers, some of us as men who stepped in have felt so alone. Some of us, we don't have a word from God. We're just doing what we know to do. We're just doing what we think is best. We're just doing what we know is right. And God says, although you don't hear my voice, although you don't see my face, I'm with you in this because I'm sovereign. And there's a man today that needs to know that in the midst of your mistakes, in the midst of, of your failures, in the midst of you trying to do what's right and maybe it ended up wrong, God says, I'm still with you. I look beyond all your faults and I see your need. I'm still upholding you. I'm still carrying you because I'm a God just like that. I am sovereign. I am in control and I will work this thing out. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope it is for you and your children he was concerned but he was also courageous he was courageous God bless you courageous fathers out there but lastly and I think that it's important with regard to the, the whole meaning of the book of, of Esther Mordecai understood calling I told you the theme before, but Haman, the second in charge, it has a plot to exterminate the Jews. This plot is fully in progress. Mordecai hears about the plot and he tells uh, uh, Esther, Esther, what you're going to have to do is go and talk to the king. Well, it was against the law to go and talk to the king uh, unannounced uh, without him requesting you. It, it, it was punishable by death for him to, uh, uh, anyone, wife included, to interrupt the king and say, I want to talk to you about something. Originally, he had told Esther early on, don't tell the king about your uh, ethnic heritage and your ethnic background. Don't tell uh, him that you are a Jew. And she obeyed. She did not tell him. But at this point, Mordecai says, you're going to have to go to the king. Let's pick up the story in verse 14 of chapter 4. I'm sorry, verse 13 of chapter 4. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Esther has already told them, I can't go in unannounced. I can't go and talk to the king. I can't go and do what you have requested. So Mordecai said, go and answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. If you don't do anything, don't think that you're going to be the only one that stays alive. Verse 14, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. What he's saying is Haman's plot may, may come to fruition, but there are other Jews who've already gone back to Jerusalem. So we, we will be exterminated. You and your house will be wiped out. But make no mistake, God's plan will still come to fruition. Says, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows? Whether you have come to the kingdom 
for such a time as this. Who knows, Esther? All of what I taught you as a baby girl, all that I've taught you and groomed you for, all that we've instilled in you, all of the spiritual commitment, all that I knew how to do to help you grow up as a beautiful, lovely young lady, you being chosen as a queen, who knows? Maybe God has put you in this position for such a time as this. And for all of you fathers who've encouraged their children to chase their dreams, who've encouraged those children to chase their calling and their gifts and their talents and the abilities for all of them. And, well, who knows? Maybe you're in the Alabama School of Fine Arts. Maybe you've been placed there for such a time as this. Maybe, maybe you've gone to the International uh, Baccalaureate School over at Shades Valley. Maybe God has placed you there for such a time as this. Maybe God has placed you in this private school and you wanted to go to, 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 to a public school, but, but, but you're, the, the, that good man that stepped in got you in this private school and maybe you're there for such a time as this. Maybe you didn't get a chance to go to the college you really wanted to, you too, but God directed you to a college anyway, and, and, and there was something specific for you to do, and, and, and maybe he put you there for such a time as this. Men and women, I believe in the sovereignty of God. He's established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. I did not make a straight line to Birmingham, Alabama. The line went this way, and then that way, and then this way, and then that way, and then this way. And in each one of those steps, it wasn't comfortable for me to be there. It was difficult for me to be there. But maybe God had placed me there for such a time as this. And then we pick up in verse 16. I'm sorry, yeah, 15 and 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go gather, Mordecai, all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. And my maids will fast likewise. And so, just as you've asked me to do, I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, because he demonstrated courage, Esther demonstrated courage. Because he said, maybe God has placed you here for such a time as this, maybe she understood her calling. Maybe I'm here for a purpose. Maybe God has given me these children for a purpose. Maybe their hurts, hang-ups, and habits, although I don't like them, maybe God has placed them in my household for such a time as this. Maybe that difficult circumstance or that difficult task, maybe God has placed me here for such a time as this. Men and women, I think we need to tell some of these good men who have stepped in, good men who are not even biological daddies, those uncles, those, those cousins, those, those grandfathers, those stepfathers, those, those folks who have stepped in the place, who have invested into these children. Maybe we need to say, I see you. Maybe we need to do that to biological fathers as well because they can be just as discouraged. And there's one last thing I'd like to share with you that kind of puts a bow on it all. I don't know if you realize it or not, but all of us have been adopted into God's family. 
all of us have the benefit of a good man named Jesus that stepped in. A good man named Jesus who was concerned about us. A good man named Jesus who meets all of our needs. Next slide. A good man named Jesus who, 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 who Mordecai was specifically a type of. Mordecai is a type of Christ because it was Jesus Christ who was concerned about us. Jesus Christ who was concerned about us because we were destined to hell with no hope and no help. Jesus Christ who was concerned about us because there was no other way of salvation. Jesus Christ who was concerned about us because there was no vision really for our lives. We were wandering out uh, uh, away from God uh, to a Christless hell. Uh, it was Jesus Christ who was concerned about us. So he left heaven and came to earth. It was Jesus who was concerned about us. And he lived a life just as we are. It was Jesus that was concerned about us. And he gathered 12 disciples and taught them how to live and how to love. It was his concern for us that sent him to the cross to die a sinner's death. It was his concern for us that caused him to raise from the dead. It was his concern for us and his courage to suffer and die that demonstrates the fact that he was a good man that stepped in. It was Jesus, the one who was courageous. It was Jesus, the one who knew about calling because when he prayed in the garden, he said, Lord, uh, I wish that this cup could pass for me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm courageous enough to go to the cross. And it was, it was Jesus who is the one we're to model our parenting after. You see, in, in, in essence, in essence, what, what, what Mordecai was for Esther was a provider. He was a protector. He was a, a paternal presence. He was a parental uh, uh, identity for uh, Esther. And that is what Jesus is for us. I don't know on this Father's Day if, if you've ever thought about the ministry, the fatherhood ministry of Jesus. The fatherhood ministry of Jesus. That you have a good, good father. He is a good man that has stepped in and he has decided to adopt us. The scripture says that he has adopted us, that he has given us a new name, that he's given us a place to live, that he provides for all of our needs, that he does whatever it takes to preserve us and to save our lives. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word today. And Father, I pray that if there is one out there a father or a man that has stepped in. I pray that they would know they're appreciated today. I pray that they would know that we are grateful for them today. I pray that they know that they're loved. And Father God, if there's one out there under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and has God as their Father, I pray that they would know Jesus is concerned about you. He was so courageous that he would go to the cross to divide the, sep to the separating wall so that we might have a relationship with him. He loves you. But not only that, 
There was a calling on his life to save us. There's a calling on our life to follow him. If you have not done that, I pray that you would pray with me today. Just simply pray the words that I'm about to pray that may express the desire of your heart. Father God, I come to you now because I need you. I need Jesus Christ. I've been wandering. I've been failing. I've been floundering. I've been trying to run my own life. And I know today that that's sin. That is sin, me trying to heal myself because I can't. Lord, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing over and over and over again. And I heard the preacher say, when I asked the question, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the preacher said, Jesus. Jesus will deliver you. Jesus will deliver you. So, Father God, I invite Jesus Christ into my life by faith. I know that he died on the cross for me. I receive that. I know that he rose from the dead for me. I receive that. I know that he offers me his Holy Spirit to come into my life. Lord, I need your spirit to come into my life to change me. I, I embrace that right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that if there's someone that has prayed that prayer, that they would know, number one, that you're in their lives, and number two, that they would tell us so that we might come alongside them. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, and amen. Please stand up.